I grew up uh, in a house that it really didn't talk about the gospel, the concept that I know it now. Like I grew up in this place, uh, like my mom had just like very like simple gospel thought process as far as like if you raise up the children, I remember then they, they should know. And, uh, and I just remember like I did a lot of bad things as a kid. Like I remember like at, at the age of like eight, I burnt the rug in our apartment, put it out and put all the pillows on the couch over it. <laughs> that was the kind of kid I was. You know, I remember I was bad. My mom never called me bad though. I was bad. Went to an empty apartment next door, took some bleach and put it all over the apartment. Why? And she still didn't want me. I didn't go to jail. I was bad. I did things like that. I stole a construction man's lunch and didn't even eat it. And just threw it away. I was bad. Like, there was like at one point, like I really thought there was no place for me to, like I knew by like a certain age that there was like... I can't be like the rest of them kids. I can't change like the rest of them. There's no redemption for me. You know, I'm bad, so I'm going to live bad. I'm going to do bad things, and I'm going to continue to live in these kind of decisions that I keep making no matter what. Like, what's going through my mind in those type of times? Like, what's happening? Like, I, so I know why I stole the man's lunch. He lived next door to us. He lived up above us, actually. We were living in an apartment complex in, in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, I knew he used to, I knew he hit his wife. Like, and I was a kid, and I, I didn't know what to do. And so he had left his lunch on top of his car one day, and I just took it. I was like, hey, this is how I'm going to get this guy back. Like, well, my mom will always say, mind your own business, don't do that. But we would hear the noises. We would hear the screams. We would hear the yelling. And we would know that he's not treating his wife and his kids right. And like the only thing, like my little, my little messed up head thought that, hey, if I take his lunch, then hey, I got him. Like there's a hit. That's the only, but why would I do that? Why? And you know, those are the type of things. Like we make decisions as we're children and we make decisions about that. And I think about all the things that I've done. Like all the things, the other things that I've ruined, all the situations that came. And then all of a sudden, because this day. I actually got redemption. I didn't know how it happened. I didn't know, I didn't know like why it happened. Why me? That's why it used to be my, my motto. Why me? Every time I would get in trouble, I'd be kicked out of places. I'd be living on somebody's couch. I'd be locked up in jail. And you know, my, my whole thing was like, why me? And then I would pray, and then God would get me out. I call it my uh, get out of jail free card. He would do that for me. But see, I didn't know that he has this magnificent, glorious plan for every human being on this earth that they have the opportunity to receive redemption. No matter how they grew up, no matter how their life went, no matter how the circumstances and situations that are surrounding him look dim and dark, God has a plan. And I know growing up, we always hear that, that God has a plan, but specifically that God has a rescue plan. Whoever wanted to be rescued here? Man, I want to get rescued. Like, I'm like, man, I'll be in these situations. Like, who's going to come? I remember as a kid when my parents were divorced, I was like, I wish I was getting adopted by like, uh, 
like a, a, a different strokes, like <laughs> and like Webster, like going to this this rich white family, living a high rise, and be like, yes, I got everything that I need. You know, but that didn't happen to me. I wanted redemption. We all want to be redeemed of something in our life, so some thought in our mind. And no matter what, so if we see somebody else's life or Hollywood has really made us look, really look at, at what, what good looks like. And, and we always are looking for a rescue. No matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter what it is, we're always looking for a rescue. And Marla, could you put the big idea up there? God has a rescue plan for everyone. And it starts with redemption. And we start to talk about what this redemption looks like. Jesus did something so magnificent, so glorious, so great. Like, he's so priceless that some of us, we, we really don't understand the complexity of who Jesus is and how this happened. But he brought something to us that we never could have brought to ourselves. And that's redemption. Let's go on to the next slide, Marlon. See, our redemption is through the death of Jesus and only through Jesus' death. There's not enough work you can do. There's not enough money you can have. There's not enough wishing, hoping, thinking that you can do to bring redemption to your life. The only person in a personhood that could bring redemption was Jesus. And as we go in, we're going to dive in to what I call the, the rescue plan of God. We're going to finish a couple of weeks talking about this rescue plan. And today we're just starting to, one major thing that needs to happen for you to be rescued. The only way that rescue happens is through redemption by Jesus. Not by like you just say, all right, I'm going to live right now. Like you living right does not bring you redemption. You still one day can make a mistake. So we're going to be in Ephesians 1, reading uh, verses 7 through 14. And it goes like this. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together, Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth, in him being Christ. In him we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purposes of his will so that we who had already got put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. In him, you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When you heard the words of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you, when you believe, the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. Today we're going to focus on just two verses because I think these two verses really lay, uh, lay it out. It says it like this. In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace and the wisdom with all wisdom and understanding. Redemption. To 
And redemption means to liberate on the receipt of a ransom. Let you know that somebody had to pay something. Somebody had to seek you out. Somebody had to pursue you to get you liberated from where you're at right now. Like I was liberated from, from the darkness and the, and the bad decisions and, and the instances that lived in my life. That God is sending somebody to liberate you. To free you from who you are. And all the bad things that you have done. God is saying, I'm going to liberate, not only liberate you, but you know what? I'm going to pay it in full through this ransom. Man, I think that's so powerful. Redemption means to liberate you from a ransom paid in full. You are free from all debt that has been attached to your life. See, we probably don't get to understand that in the, in the capital system of America. So this is how it works in India. Say I'm a farmer, and I buy some seed from another farmer. And I say to that farmer, all right, I'll pay you back at the end of the season. He's like, all right, cool, sign this contract. We're good. So all of a sudden, monsoon season hits and the crop is terrible. And you have no crop to pay back that farmer for the seed. What happens is that farmer says, now you're in debt to me. And he says, you know what? I get to tack on as much interest as I want because this is my, you owe me. Right. So now that farmer has to work not only to pay back that debt, but pay back that interest. And as he's working and paying back that debt and paying back interest, he paid back the debt, but the interest keeps building. And he can't afford to pay back the interest on that debt. And the next thing he knows, he dies because he's been working. And the next thing you know, his son, who inherits his debt, and he says, hey, your dad owed me a large debt. Now you owe me. And so instead of he saying, all right, I can, I'll, I'll work my hardest, he says, no, now I own you. Now you work for me until you pay off the interest and the debt. So there's no record keeping of how much the debt was paid off, and there's no record keeping the interest. So now that son has a family, and now that son's son gets into debt again. And so you have this cycle. Then now they're five generations in, and they're like, oh, my goodness. I'm a slave to this man. I'm a slave to this family. I cannot pay this debt. I cannot get out of this. How can I get redeemed? See, that's how sin is in our life. Like, there was no way out for us. There was no way that we could pay the debt or the interest. Like, everything we do in our life, we could never come out of it. And Jesus came to redeem us. His death came to redeem us. It says the price of his blood, we were redeemed not by his life and not by his moral life, but we're redeemed by the death, his blood. Can you imagine that? As somebody that doesn't know you but loves you so much, so his love encompasses you so much that he wants to envelop, envelop your life. He says, you know what? I will die for you. So that you no longer have to be in debt. That you cannot be separated. That you can be in freedom. Man, that's so crazy to me. Like, that's so crazy. I don't know if y'all been in debt. I'm in debt. And if somebody paid all my debt off and said, hey, I want you to be free to do whatever you want. Do you know what happens when you get all your debt paid off? You're free to travel. You're free to make better decisions. You're free to live wherever you want to live. You're free to buy whatever you want to buy. But when you're in debt, you are, you are trapped. 
You're trapped in a certain lifestyle. You're trapped in a certain circumstance. You're trapped in a certain instance. You got to do things. You got to, what if you want to shop at Lums and Burroughs? You can't because you need Aldi. What if you want food that has a longer shelf life? You can't because you're in debt. Things happen. And then you get trapped up when other people are in debt. And then you live a lifestyle of debtors. But Jesus is saying in this, in verse, the first verse, the first verse, Paul is saying that you have redemption through his blood. You're redeemed through the cross. It's such a powerful thing. And he says it's not about you living the way Jesus lived. It was, you, it was about his death when Jesus died. And then I love this part. He says, you are filled with according to the riches of his grace. The benefits, first off, the first benefit that we get is forgiveness. We get the opportunity to have forgiveness. Like I, money, Jesus, these concepts come with money for some odd reason, but there's loan forgiveness. If you've ever been to college and all of a sudden they say, if you work in a certain area, a certain place, we'll forgive your loan. And you no longer have to pay this loan off. You work here for a certain amount of years. Then you have loan forgiveness. Jesus didn't say work anywhere. He said the riches of his grace were entitled with forgiveness. And that's the first benefit that you get from redemption. But you can't have forgiveness without redemption. And so you have to understand that even no matter where you're at, where you call to, that God wants to redeem your life. And you can ask forgiveness over and over and over again until you accept that Jesus be your Lord and Savior and that his death meant something to your life and you get redeemed. Then the rescue starts to happen. The bells start going off. The people start swimming towards you. Jesus is saying the blood has paid the price. It wasn't because he walked this earth for 30 years. It taught disciples it was because he died. And the price is so heavy that you get to afford the riches of his grace. And grace, the only, the first benefit is forgiveness. But then there's other benefits that come with God's grace. It's just it's the first qualifying thing is forgiveness. Then all of a sudden you get unmerited favor. Unmerited. Like, favor is not fair. Do you understand that? My friend used to say that to me all the time. Like, I remember a guy in Bible college, he was serving at this church. And, uh, and he, was, he was just in Bible college. And the guy was just coaching him and everything. And everybody else was around. And one day, he was like, the pastor was like, hey, you want a car? He was like, what? We can't have cars yet. It's like second year. He was like, well, I'm going to give you a car. And yeah, you can park it at Bible college the second year. You're only a couple months away. So here's the car, free and clear. Just gave him the car. Everybody's like, oh my goodness. Well, I want to intern at that church. That's the church I want to intern at. And it was like, favor isn't fair. And I remember, like, talking to this pastor and everything, and then all of a sudden he was looking at my Bible. He was like, man, that's a, that's a cool Bible, Carl. He said, has anybody ever gave you a Bible? I said, no. I mean, like, not, I mean, gave me a Bible, but he was like, he said, then he emailed me. He's like, Carl, what's your full name? I said, uh, Carl Daniel John. I'm like, what is this guy doing? Like, what's happening here? Is he, like, researching me or something? And all of a sudden, he comes and meets me, and he gives me this leather Thomas uh, chain Bible. It's a Kirkdale. It's like, if you're a pastor, it's like gold. It's like, you don't need anything else to research anything in the Bible. And he, like, hands it to me, and it says Carl Daniel Johnson on it. And it's engraved in gold lettering. 
And I was just so taken back. And he like rolled in there and he says, Carl, I know you're going to be a preacher of the gospel. And wherever you go, I hope this tool will benefit you in delivering his messages. I was broken. I was like, oh my goodness, God, this is not fair. Like nobody's ever did anything like that for me. But see, that wasn't the last time. See, redemption, the first one is forgiveness. When we start asking for forgiveness in our life, we start to see blessings. And then we start to see, and then as soon as I started to think about going into ministry and seeing these, and seeing these ministry fields, all of a sudden, I started getting opportunities would come up. And I just believe that when we step into the riches of God's grace, we start to see favor in areas where they don't belong. Like, people start looking at like, why is that happening for you and not happening anywhere else? Like, because God wants to benefit people through redemption. Like, I don't even understand, like, some of the people, like Daryl Strawberry. Like, I know that man was on crack. I know. Like, I used to watch baseball. I used to see him in New York. Like, he had a bad life. Then God redeemed this man and his wife and his marriage and gave him a mighty ministry. And, like, I remember seeing him on TV in one day. I was like, is that Daryl Strawberry? It's like, he's healed? He's delivered from drugs and alcohol? That's Daryl Strawberry? I was a baseball fan, so that may not mean nothing to you. But it was crazy for me. It was Daryl Strawberry. I looked up to him. He was like a role model. Then all of a sudden, I see him redeemed. I was like, oh, my gosh. God can do that for, for even, like, famous people. It doesn't matter because everybody is part of this plan. And he always wants to benefit. Like, I don't know about you, but you want your, all your kids to have benefits way more than you have. You do. And God is like that. He says, I'm going to pour out the riches of his grace. They're unmerited favor on our lives and everything that comes toward us. And then all of a sudden, it says, this, man, this is so powerful. He, he, he says it just like this. He says that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. The grace that he pours out in our life. It's lavish. I mean, it's not just cheap grace. It's not just sometimes grace. It is the richest, most priceless, magnificent grace that you can have. It's like I can only I can only attribute it to like when me and Melanie got married. Like uh, we were, I was not rich. We were some poor kids that paid for our marriage. We weren't in debt. That was our biggest thing, not to be in debt over our marriage. And her brother-in-law got us a hotel room at the Marriott, downtown L.A., right across from the Staples Center. And I could see the whole thing of all of L.A. And I remember, we pulled up. He said, he said, Carl, don't worry about nothing. Just pull up. We got you. You take care of. We pull up. I go to check in. And the guy, like, says, takes, like, kind of, like, snatches the keys out of my hand and go parks the car. And then by the time we get in, so by the time they were like, oh, Mr. Johnson. And Mrs. Johnson, Welcome. Welcome, you're here. We're so glad. We're like, oh, snap. They call him Mr. and Mrs. Johnson. You know, he just got married, so that's cool. God takes us up to the room. The next thing you know, he's like, he's like, hey, you guys want some chocolate-covered strawberries or truffles? Which ones would you like? And me and Melly are like, what? Truffles? I ain't never had no truffles before. <laughs> yeah. So there were chocolate truffles, chocolate the things. So he sent those up. And so next thing I know, we're up there. We're walking up there. He's like talking about the truffles and stuff. Our luggage is already in the room. It's already there. Like, I hate carrying luggage in the room. It's already there, sitting on our beds. 
I'm like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And we walk into this room, it's got windows every day, and it's got a big old shower, like love that, love big showers, and we're just like, oh my goodness, this is just such an amazing experience. And I, and I just started to think about, man, God, you just lavish things like this. People live like this. People go everywhere. They live and have lavish lifestyles. And this is just like your grace you're pouring on us. What if we said, hey, God, wherever we went, he just opened doors for us left and right for lavish grace on us. And he's not doing it because it's just happenstance. He's doing it on purpose. He's doing it on purpose. Like your life is not just happening because you want it to happen. It's happening because he has all wisdom and understanding that you need this and this will change everything. And then I love this. This lavish grace doesn't come without restraints. Man, how many times like you ask somebody to give you something or, or you ask somebody does something for you and it's got restraints on it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, hey, can I borrow this? And then be like, yeah, but you got to bring it back by this time. And if, hey, if you don't bring it back, man, I don't know. You ain't going to borrow it again. Jesus is not like that. He says this wisdom in which he lavished this grace on by this redemption and forgiveness is so big and so calculated and so unpurposed that when you look at your life, you cannot understand why right. he does it. And that's today. As we look at that, Marlon's going to the next slide. This is what it means. It's going to the next slide. The rescue plan is a plan that far sees just a simple thought. It's for all ages. God has carefully planned, developed a plan of salvation for all people on the earth. Don't think like you're just a special person who gets to lavish his grace. God is so big and so calculated that everyone that's around you, that's your friend, your family, can experience this lavish lifestyle of grace. That God wants you to tell them, hey, that I don't want you to say, hey, man, my life is good. Be like, all right, bro, you stay over there. I want you messing with this. He said everybody should be able to, to hear this message because it's so big. It's so calculated. Everyone can be a part of it. And today, if you're here today, you're like, man. Pastor Carl, I've heard the gospel before. I know who Jesus is. I know he died for me. But there's, I'm missing this redemption part. I'm missing this rescue part. I'm missing this part where God is going to lavish his grace on my life. I'm missing this part where, where I'm seeing like him do things that he's never done before. I'm missing this part. I'm missing this part of this plan of salvation. I just don't understand how to forgive people. I don't understand how, how his grace works in this area and it doesn't work in that area. I don't understand how to tap into his benefits right now. If you're sitting here today and you're like, man, God, I, I'm sick of going through the things and don't understand how to get rescued. God is saying today that his plan is first off through redemption. And it had to happen through Jesus' blood. And today you cannot get forgiveness, get all his benefits until you take the first step. And say, God, redeem me. Redeem this poor life. Redeem this life that, that is nothing without you. And today, if that's you, and you feel like that's you, I just want to pray. If you feel so inclined, we want to pray with me, do so. If you're here today, 
You're like, man, I really need some redemption in my life. And today's the day. I'm so crazy to believe that you could have redemption right now. I'm so crazy to believe that the, the benefit of the first step that you take in redemption is acknowledging who Jesus is and that he died on the cross and he shed his blood for you. And that the first step is like forgiveness. Say, God, I need it. Like, I have to remind myself, even as a pastor, like, I'm nothing without your blood, Jesus. I'm not some big person. I don't have it all right. I'm not all together. Without your redemption, God, I would be nowhere. Wouldn't be standing before you. Wouldn't be able to be talking to people. Wouldn't be able to be in Dayton's bluff if it wasn't for the redemption. And so I'm going to pray, then we're going to do communion. And the first thing, as we before we take communion, we just ask you, like, if you really wanna, if you really wanna see what this redemption looks like, you say you ask God for forgiveness before we take communion. And you say, as you take this cup, I call it the cup of redemption. I say, as we drink this cup, it was supposed to be a cup of wrath. It says in Isaiah that God had this cup that was full of all his wrath, that he was just and right to have it. But then Jesus came, and he took this cup, and he turned this cup not into a cup of wrath, but a cup of redemption, so that all mankind may know the benefits of God and no longer be separated from him. Jesus, we thank you right now for what you're about to do. We thank you that we're not going to leave this place the same. We thank you for how we can get transformed, God. How we can be redeemed. Your word says in Psalms, I mean, we just, I'm just a little country boy, and we always say, the redeemed of the Lord say so. We say, so what to the instances and circumstances that made us look bad? So what to the family members that don't think that we're really saved? So what to the people that see that don't really understand the life change in our life? So what? But we can get redemption through you, Jesus. Father, we ask you right now that as we pray and we begin to start communion, that your spirit would embody us, that we will see your Holy Spirit speaking to us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. This is your body as we take this bread. You remember that you were broken for not just our sins, but our transgressions and our insecurities and our inequities. So as we partake, God, let us eat of it. Wherever we need redemption in our life, 
in our families, in our hearts, in our homes, with ourselves. We ask you as you take this cup that we would not only remember God, that we would see redemption, not tomorrow, but immediately. And it would be followed by forgiveness. In Jesus' name.